Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. Oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and thank you once again for joining my brother and I on what is to be a fantastic podcast. For those of you who don't know me, my name is W.J. Sheehan, and I have a series of books entitled Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, all of which are available at Amazon in paperback and ebook formats. And at Audible, you can get volumes one through six, as well as picking them up at iTunes or Amazon if you choose to do so. And just as I'm inviting my brother and co-host Kevin in today, generally my brother and I don't share uh, what he is about to talk about with each other. But today, because of the subject matter, I wanted to get a look at what he's going to speak about. And so we both know what the subject is. Kev, come on in, brother. Yeah, man. How's it going? Good, good. You know, I wanted to clue the audience in tonight that I know what you're going to speak about. Uh, Yes, normally I don't tell my brother (laughs) what I'm going to talk about. (laughs) And who knows, maybe I'm not even going to talk about what I told him I was going to talk about. It's a double whammy. (laughs) (laughs) But I know uh, I'm really excited about this because this is some really interesting stuff. And uh, I'm sure you'd agree, which is why you picked it to to speak about it on today's podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I look at a lot of different videos every week because there's nothing better than sharing, you know, a pretty cool video with our viewers, right? And it could be something they've seen already and we provide some interesting commentary on it. I hadn't seen either one of these um, and we're going to be talking about the skunk Mm -hmm. ape today. And uh, I, I, you know, I pinged my brother ahead of time and I said, hey, did you see this, ever see this video? And he's like, no. And I'm like, "Okay, how about this one? He's like, no. I'm like, well, you better watch those before we do the recording (laughs) because I'm going to want to talk about them with you because they're pretty cool. Yeah, they are definitely cool. And the uh, the one, no, the one video I actually had seen before some time ago. uh, Okay. But. At either either rate, that was long before we were doing a podcast, you know, and I just ran right. across it doing something or other, and I was like, "Wow, that is interesting," you know. But go ahead, take the reins, Kev. Let's uh, let's bring it out. Yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> so yeah, both videos uh, concern what is typically called the skunk ape. And uh, skunk ape, you know, if folks out there, I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it. And we've ne- we haven't covered the skunk ape before here on uh, cryptids and other oddities. Um, but the skunk ape is also known as swamp ape, 
stink ape. Some people call it like the Florida Bigfoot or the Louisiana Bigfoot. And some even call it swamp squatch. So if you haven't heard of the skunk ape, you can figure out that this thing's usually hanging around in the swamp. You know, so think like the Everglades or any kind of woods with uh, a good swamp in it, which there's a lot of those in the southeastern United States, you know, around Florida, North Carolina, Georgia, Louisiana, Arkansas, etc., Mississippi. And, um, you know, the, the descriptions are very similar to a Bigfoot in terms of the size and definitely have the uh, stench or the stinky odor associated with them. Hence the name Skunk Ape. Mm, very interesting. And if you think about it, a lot of these murky pools of water uh, that aren't really flooding in and out properly, uh, that water gets pretty stank, too. You know what I mean? Oh, no so, doubt about it. You know, if you no had a, a, a butt full of crud from not having toilet paper, which a lot of us are starting to experience... <laughs> in the COVID-19 world of no right. toilet no, if paper. If the Bigfoot had no uh, Scott tissue and then was uh, walking <laughs> around in the stank in the woods uh, with covered full of fur, <laughs> he would be in need of a serious shower. No doubt about it. Yeah, so... A lot of the encounters with the skunk ape, they go back into the 1960s and 1970s and all the way up until today. So he's been around a while, not hundreds of years, at least not documented hundreds of years that I've come across. But he definitely has been around a while. Now, people have been talking about this for a long time. Uh, Yeah. And I think it really rose to prominence again after the initial, quote, Bigfoot. Uh, uh, deal, you know, in the uh, late 50s and 60s. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, uh, shoot, have at it, bro. Yeah, so the first video is the earlier video, <laughs> excuse me, earlier video in time. This was uh, uh, filmed on October 28th, 2013, so about six and a half years ago. And it's known as the Josh Highcliffe video. And I'll post this on our website, BigfootTerryIndoWoods.com, and I'll put the YouTube link up there as well. So check it out for sure. Even if you've seen it before, check it out after we talk about it. So it's a super convincing video. I mean, I'm the first one here to tell you like, ah, I think that's a hoax or that one's bogus or I don't even see anything in that video. This one is super convincing. And the video is only two minutes and 16 seconds long, but it is definitely a hairy man, in my humble opinion. Maybe my not-so-humble opinion. Now, what was the location of that one, Kev? So they don't specify it exactly, but when you research it, they talk about it being in and around uh, Mississippi. So southeastern U.S., good place for... uh, for the swamp ape, and it's it's in a uh, stand of large cypress trees, which are typically in the southeastern U.S., and they are uh, in a swampy area. So the video of this creature, you know, so it's a shot video, it's color, it's pretty darn clear. I'd say the creature is about 25 yards tops away from yeah. the camera guy. 
All right. And uh, the creature has its back to the camera and it's facing uh, an upright, partially hollowed out, very large cypress tree. Like it looks like it's probably about five feet across as it fans out yeah, at the bottom. Yeah, that is a big ass tree, boy. Big, big ass tree. And um, you you sit there and you look at it. And first you're like, what is that? You know, and then you clearly see the back of the creature, the shoulders, the back of the head, very clear. Like this is not a bear, by the way. Yeah. You know, looks like a gorilla of sorts, right? You know, and um, what's really interesting is this thing is working away, like busily working away with both hands, clearly. Uh, at the edges of this uh, inverted V-shaped opening in the bottom of the cypress tree uh, and also inside of the cypress tree. So you can see him with each hand reaching inside, pulling things out. And then he grabs, right, if you could imagine the inside of these inverted V, this inverted V into the trunk of the cypress tree, he grabs it on either side one at a time and snaps off pieces of the trunk and you hear it crack you know like uh like you know i I don't even know how to describe it but you can hear it super loud and then you can see the piece break off and then he kind of tosses it to the side and it splashes in the water right multiple pieces he's cracking off left and right and um you know bill you and i especially in our day we were pretty strong Ombres, and I couldn't imagine like reaching into the side of a cypress tree and cracking off these large yeah, pieces of wood. Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, particularly the one that he grabbed with his one right arm during that clip, he raises yes. his arm, pulling it in his shoulder when it cracks, like you said. It sounded like a two yeah. by eight being snapped in half by Superman, and it just went exactly. bang. And then he with this yep. muscular jerking motion, pulls it back and he flips it over into the water and you see it splash. Just incredible power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, the V-shaped back and he's there working away, clear as day. Um, but this strength, like if you if you were thinking, right, perhaps, hey, this is somebody in an ape suit, you know, could be, you can't see the face. But then you're like, man, even if this was uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime, I don't think he'd be tearing off pieces of the tree with a kraken yeah, like very, that, you know? Very, right. And that opening in the base of that tree was tremendous to begin with. Right. And it's, the, the you know, by the way, folks, it's that natural opening, if you've ever seen a cypress where the bark grows around the edges of the opening. I don't know what causes the opening, but it's not like it's split wood or anything. It's it's grown that way for many, many, many years. And this beast is just grabbing onto that area where the bark naturally grows around the edge of the opening into the inside of the tree, grabbing that thing with its mitt and tearing <laughs> the whole piece of the trunk of the tree off. You know, Kev, and so many things come to mind. Do you remember when we were looking at the uh, footage? Uh, again, let's go back to the Marble Mountain. When we were looking at the footage of the dimensions yeah. of the branches, I mean, you had yes. like four, six, eight-inch round... Yeah, eight-inch diameter uh, trees, really, that were just snapped oh in goodness. half. Just like, think about that. That is like crazy. Yeah. 
and green green even trees. With, you know, even very with the tough aid of hydraulics, uh, it would be yeah. you know a, 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 a push. I don't know what the pounds per square inch would be necessary to do that, but it's just incredible. You yeah. know, uh, yeah. another thing that really stood out to me as I was watching that thing crouched in front of that tree, tearing at it, you notice there's little shallow area of water around that tree. and We saw that when he threw the wood and it splashed in it. But you know what came to mind, yeah. Kev? Remember a while ago we were talking about that sighting uh, from the early 70s, those hippies that were in that uh, big aisle in the big thicket? And remember oh, yeah, they yeah. were describing it as a an area with a lot of clay in the soil under the trees where water yes. would just lay. Uh, you Absolutely, know, the water yeah. moccasins and the other creatures that live in that that sewage, uh, the water that just that stagnant pool of water. Yeah, stagnant pool of water uh, in and the that swamp. guy is just like like sitting in there. He looked like a, an Indian sitting there for a little while. Well, that's it. See, you're giving it away. So we watch this thing, and, you know, we're sitting there, and, and sure, Josh Highcliffe is sitting there saying, this thing is unbelievable, right? It's so powerful in that. But you're sitting there thinking this thing is standing in a couple of feet of water, but apparently it's like sitting in a couple of feet of water, and then all of a sudden it stands up, and the thing is huge, yeah. right? It's like... I mean, it looked big when it was squatted there in front of the opening in the tree. This thing stands up, and, you know, what does Josh do, right? He does what any honest person would do that that has this happen to them. He turns, like, in a second and starts sprinting in the opposite <laughs> direction. <laughs> By the way, good decision, Josh. Good decision, Josh. You were able to post yeah. the video. Your, your mother taught you well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And it, it's kind of funny, but yet at the same time, it's so realistic because you're sitting there and you're like, he's pretty close to this thing before it stands up. And you see it ripping apart this tree and you're like, my God, like this is no bear. This is no little monkey or something. This is a beast. And then all of a sudden, the thing stands up, and it looks like it's three times taller than it was when it was sitting and you down. you know what? The fear that must have come over him, thinking like it's going to turn oh my God. and see me, and I'm dead meat. No, and it really, in like less than a second, he pivots, and the camera's aimed at the ground, and he is sprinting through the woods yeah. away from wow, this Wow, that's just freaking crazy. Oh, yeah. man. I mean, to me, no doubt that this was real. Like, you know, this this did not seem fake. And by the way, just like the next encounter, nobody is going to be walking around in the swamp in the southeastern U.S. up to your knees in an ape suit. Like, you know, a couple of things are going on there. One is there's water moccasins, you know, all kinds of snakes. I mean, here in North Carolina, I, you know, I go running in the morning along a river and it has a lot of these stagnant pools. I see water moccasins all the time. I see copperheads yeah, all the time. They're hanging there. And it's like, yeah, they, they swim. Yeah. Both of them swim. And they are nasty. Like, they scare the crap out of you when they're standing still and yeah. you're not in the yeah. water. 
Um, and then gators. Yeah. I mean, geez, you know, places full of alligators. And then, so, you know, again, keep in mind, if the creatures don't get you, you're walking around in a suit, in so- a hairy suit, in a swamp, in some, uh, in some of the regions of the U.S. that are most heavily armed. Yeah, how about that? Right? You, you know, yeah, you're going into the swamp. You're bringing a gun with you. And you see a big hairy <laughs> thing. You're probably going to shoot it. You know, whether it's hunting season or not. Like, boom. There's no doubt about it. It also brought uh, to my mind uh, how many accounts talked about these things tearing into dead trees for grubs. I know. Uh, And then, of course, the, uh, the snake collector guy we talked about a month or two ago. Uh, when he was down in the bayou uh, getting snakes for venom. No doubt. Oh, yeah. God, what a... Yeah, but, you know, and again, it's, it, you know, we're doing our best to explain it, folks. But when you come to the website, you download this video, and you look at it, you're going to be like, wow, I see what you mean. This guy is like feverishly working away at this trunk. You know, it's not random. Yeah. He's on a mission, working away with both hands equally on the uh, inside and edge of this tr- trunk of yeah, the Yeah, now, Cypress. and as they'll see, I noticed a conical head, uh, and a couple of times yeah. it turned briefly just a little bit to the left, like a quarter turn, and I swore I saw yeah. its hand going up to its mouth. But Could be, yeah, like yeah, it was picking up Yeah, as soon as I thought I was seeing that, it would turn back. You know, it was like you said, this at this yeah. feverish pace, like, Reaching in and grabbing and picking and clawing whatever it was doing. Oh man, that yeah. freaking is an extraordinary video. It really is. <laughs> it's it awesome. Really is, it's man. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I saw that one and I was like, all right, like this thing is cool. We'll do an episode about this. And I just kept, happened to keep looking, you know, over the course of a couple of days. And then I came across this other video called The Compelling Footage of Possible Skunk Ape Slash Bigfoot from Lettuce Lake Park oh. in Florida. So this is from a few years later. It's January 26th, 2015. Um, the video is also about two minutes long, so very similar to Josh's video. Um, and this video, though, instead of being f- filmed from dry land, it appears that the folks are in like a canoe or a small rowboat. You know, you can hear the paddles or oars clunking around as they're trying to stay still and get an angle on this creature. Right. So they're again, they're amongst the trees in the water, the water looks a little bit deeper, you know, maybe three feet deep or so. And um, they, they see, they zoom in and they see this creature kind of kind of standing there in the swamp again with its back to us, maybe the side, like its left side towards us. And to me, it seems like it's reaching down and touching its foot, almost like it's messing with like its heel, like if you stepped on something. Um, and then all of a sudden it starts like whacking at something in the water, right? You see the water splashing and with its hand or, you know, it's, it's whacking at the water and then you see it turn to its right and it starts trudging through the swamp. That's like three feet deep. And it looks like it's carrying like a big water moccasin. 
and the thing is squirming around. Like when it was whacking at the water, it reached down and it grabbed this yeah, water box. You know, right in the beginning of that clip, I'm trying to figure out what is it doing. It looked like it was leaning over or down and cupping water to its mouth. Oh, okay. See, that could be because I see it as leaning forward. And like I thought it was reaching down and touching well, it its back after foot. That. It was after that. Not its back foot, but its foot. Like right oh, in the okay. beginning, Before it looked that, like it was saying. leaning yeah. over a log, reaching up with its left arm to its mouth. And then it stood. Right. And it was doing that weird thing, like right. you said. It looked like it was picking up its heel like an Irish step dancer, you know, uh, grabbing <laughs> it or something. It was odd looking. Yeah. Well, see, I was wondering if the snake bit it or wow, something Wow, maybe like it that. did. Yeah, yeah. And then, because then it just reaches down and it's like whack, whack in the water. And then it's picking up and it's walking, you know, turns to its right and it's walking. And it looks like it's carrying like a snake that's about yeah. five feet yeah, no, long. Yeah. But I mean, like without even thinking about it, right? Like it's just, just goes trudging off to the right with this big snake in its right hand, yeah, squirming it, it around. It's very shadowy to see. It's it's in under the canopy. But you're right, Kev. When yeah. it made that turn and the right arm was exposed, there is definitely something long and snake-like writhing around below the hand. No it, doubt it's, about it's, it. It's unquestionable. Like in some of the comments, people said, oh, it's a, you know, a fish. It's carrying a fish. That ain't no fish. Yeah, that That's a big that ass no snake. Fish. That was no fish. <laughs> you know, two things. One, two things came to my mind. It was either a very long piece of like Spanish moss soaked, but the, yeah, ah, no, that thing's writhing around when it starts wiggling. Yeah, because the arm yeah. and the hand weren't doing anything that would make it wiggle. No, no. That thing is moving like a snake, no doubt about yeah, it. And it's big. I mean, you know, figure that thing is eight feet tall or something like that. That snake is five feet long, and those water moccasins oh are big. Yeah, beautiful. So, so then the thing goes walking off to its right, like I said, further and further. And uh, the, the guy who filmed it said that it just kept walking, and the water got deeper and deeper. Uh, as they followed it, and they paddled their way through the trees, and there was nothing there. So it's like the thing walked into the water up to, like, its neck and then kind of swam oh, away. I mean, it's just, it's just, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It just enforces so many other accounts of these things, swimming, uh, paddling, uh, the snakes, uh, again, getting back to that Bagal in the big thicket, the Jack Gore Bagal, they saw this uh, Bigfoot stomp on a water moccasin, pick it up and chomp it. And, you know, in the <laughs> same light, you're, you're saying possibly this thing bit him in the heel and he was like touching it like, ah, you nasty little bastard, you bit me. Yeah, but I'm going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> and the same thing happened in that Jack, Jack Bagor, uh, Bagal, uh, Jack Gore Bagal, where the guy said he thought the moccasin whacked it like uh, one or two times. Just yeah, incredible. Exactly. They, they have to be like immune to it, Kev. Wouldn't you say so? 
Well, you know, don't they say that? Like a lot of these uh, snake charmers and stuff like that, they they get bits, bitten so many times that they become partially immune to the venom. Yeah. And I'm telling you, you're trudging around in the swamp in Florida on a regular basis. You're getting bitten a few I, times a I day. Would, I would like, think so, at least, at least once a week. Yes. No, I mean, you couldn't pay me to walk five yards in a swamp yeah, in and, Florida. You know, I've wondered for years, even in other situations, uh, like when you're walking through rattlesnake-infested fields and whatnot, there's tons of places around the country where if you're walking through the grass in these fields here and there, there are rattlers all over the place. Oh, man. You know, Bill, you and I, you've talked about it early on in the podcast, but we both have that gift of like, I mean, you know, we lack other <laughs> senses, but we can see stuff when others can't see yep. it. You know, like, well, and and like I lived out in Arizona for three or four years and would be hiking around in the desert. And those rattlesnakes, they, their camouflage is unbelievable. Yeah. Like, if that thing's five feet away and I told you it was there and pointed at it, a lot of people still can't see it. it the really camouflage is. is so good. And I would see them, and I'm like, man, that, that is just terrifying. They're, at certain times of year, in certain places, they were Whoa. all over the place. Now, the rattlers, at least they rattle, right? So if you don't see it, they do try to tell mm-hmm. you that they're there. These water moccasins, I've mentioned it before, my experience with them here in North Carolina is not only do they not tell you they're there, wow. they come after you. You know, they they, they want a piece of you. They're yeah, not trying and there's to a lot of you. other snakes too, Kev, down there, I believe, that hang in trees like vines, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're great oh, swimmers. Man. Like, no problem yeah, hanging out in the know. water. So, and again, in this example, too, so you're in a swamp in Florida, right? Everybody's got a gun in Florida, at least one, maybe five. And <laughs> you're not going to roam around in an ape suit in the swamp, let alone if the gators and the water moccasins don't get you. You know, somebody with a 30-odd six is going to yeah, get you. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? It just does no. not make It makes more sense to believe what you're saying is seeing is legit than it does to try to discount it. And believe me, uh, you know, Kev, when we talked about that other uh, shot a few weeks ago, in the first five seconds, I said it's garbage. And after 20 seconds, I was completely convinced it was garbage. You know, uh, but, you know, somebody else would look at that and say, wow, that's a great Bigfoot piece piece of Bigfoot footage, you know? But uh, yep. you and I are both on the same page about these two clips. They are just incredible. They're fantastic. So, again, we'll, folks, we will post them, both videos, on uh, the episode section of BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Check them out. Listen to the podcast again, if you like, as we describe what you're seeing, too. And let us know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. And, Kev, you know, we've been talking ad nauseum about the age of cameras being on people and that why and when are more pictures going to be seen. Well, here we have them. And if you're going to bitch and moan about them, then what else is there? You know what I mean? Right. I mean, when you look again, folks, you look at these, this is no bear. And that's the only thing it could be in this area. Like, 
And it is not a bear. There's no freaking way either one of them is a bear. No. No. And they're both seen walking, you know, like a person or more like an ape on both feet, not on four feet. You know, that one that was carrying the snake, Kip, did you see when he rounded like the tree? He like slaps that heavy vine out of the way. Just like whack, you know, "Ah, get away from that. I'm coming through, you know. Exactly. No patience. No patience. Get out of my way. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Exactly. Well, great work on that, man. That is just awesome, awesome stuff. Yeah, but I, I know I, I like the surprise, yeah, but I wanted you to look at them before now, you this gotta, podcast. There's certain things you got to see beforehand just to get a feel for it, you know? And uh, those yeah. videos, you could watch them numerous times in a row. Uh, just backing them up, right. backing them up, and concentrate your gaze at different points of it to really get a hold of what is it I'm seeing there, you know, as it goes by, you know. Uh, no because doubt. As good, and the, the clarity was very good. So it's not really fuzzy, good, yeah. hazy. I mean, there was a little movement. No. I mean, again, so, you know, I told my brother, folks, so I'll tell you guys, I look at, you know, like, say I look at 40 videos to find one that's decent, yeah. right? I mean, a lot of them, I'm like, I don't even see anything yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, or I'm like, oh, geez, that's so fake. I'm not like, I'm not reporting on that. And then these, yeah. I'm like, whoa, both of them and both, uh, you know, skunk apes. I'm like, yeah, pretty yeah, cool. Skunk ape, man. Two totally different locations, two totally different periods of time, but those two... Those two creatures could be brothers. Yeah. You know what I mean, Bill? WJ and KJ <laughs> in the swamp. Ah. <laughs> Skunk apes. Ah. Wow. Okay. Well, I got something pretty cool here. Uh, you know, and there's such a variety when it comes to uh, this notion of sightings and encounters. You know, hence the name of the books, Bigfoot. Terror in the Woods, Sightings and Encounters. Uh, and before I get into this, I want to give a, a, a shout-out uh, to a fellow named Steve I was talking to the other day. Steve, I know you're listening. Uh, Steve was from Oregon, and uh, he was out hunting. Uh, if I mess it up, Steve, forgive me. He was out hunting in a place that there was a cut, a former logging cut. And the area was like blocked off a little bit. And he had parked and walked in before sunup to do a little hunting. And uh, shortly thereafter, a howl erupted or a scream next to him that rattled him half to death. And believe me when I tell you, once again, this guy knew the woods. He knew it was nothing he was familiar with. And he already had a pretty good hunch as to what it was. And uh, as he was exiting, follow me closely, he wasn't hanging around, even though he was armed to shake hands. Uh, This thing gave him a second blast. So in that light, all I'm getting at is you never know what an encounter is. 
Is it a full-blown encounter? Is it a noise? Is it some type of odd happening? Is it something you find? And this account that I'm about to share with you is such as that. It's something that was found uh, and seen rather than seeing a Bigfoot creature. Follow along here. This uh, following evidential finding was presented to me by a fellow named Edmund Steinberg. He was a Ph.D., college professor from Vermont. This is what Dr. Steinberg stumbled upon while hiking in the winter of 2003. So when we always go along the route that they're migratory, you know, they head south for the winter, uh, these types of things make you think twice about that. It was in the middle of the winter, 2003, that my wife and I had the itch one morning to get outside and do a little deep breathing. And the two of us jumped in the car heading north to Willoughby Lake. Ever heard of that, Kevin, Vermont? Willoughby? You know, it sounds familiar, but okay. I don't think I've been there. I'd remember the name. At the time, we were living in St. Johnsbury, not too far south of the lake. This was one of our favorite spots to get away for a walk and a little bird watching. It was just one of those days during the winter when the sun was shining and the snows had let up, and off we went. We had parked near the southeast corner of the lake and hiked into the shoreline where we started to walk following the outline of the lake. At that time, the lake was frozen solid and there was a layer of crunchy snow on top of the ice several inches thick. We had only hiked up a few hundred yards, if that, when my wife said, Oh my God, Edmund, look, there's a deer stuck in the ice out there. I turned my head to look, and in spite of what my wife had just said, what I was seeing didn't make any sense. The ice on the lake at this point in time had to be a couple of feet thick, well able to handle anything that walked out on it. And there before my eyes, at about 150 yards out, was what appeared to be the head of a buck apparently sticking out of the ice. I told Denise I was going out to have a look, to which she said, if you think it's safe, I'll go with you. As I said, we were at least 150 yards away when we started, much too far to make an accurate appraisal of what we were seeing from the shoreline. We carefully trekked onto the ice and made our way towards the deer. As we closed in on this buck, it became apparent that there was blood all over the snow surrounding its body. And what we had seen was the dismembered carcass of a deer. It had been evidently killed, but why it was out on the lake's ice was a mystery. The head, which, had, which I thought was frozen, which we had thought was frozen, sticking out of the ice, was actually laying on the surface, having been torn from the body of the animal, and I do mean torn. The neck portion was actually somewhat shredded in its appearance, 
and the majority of the rest of the body was lying near it. With the entire rear section of the animal, including its rump and hind legs, missing. There was so much blood in the frozen snow that it appeared like a cherry snow cone. Ugh. Ugh. Immediately, after gazing upon this gory scene on the lake surface, our eyes were drawn to a trail of blood leading across the lake to the western side. The trail also consisted of large human footprints laid down in single file, one footprint being in front of the other in two lines, one coming to and the other going away from where the carcass would be. As we stood there looking down on these prints, Denise said to me virtually immediately, these are from a Bigfoot. This, to me, was an indisputable fact in that a man hadn't come out here in the middle of this lake with big wooden feet to dismember a deer. As we focused on all available evidence present at the scene, we did notice a fair amount of deer tracks made in a random pattern in the snow around this area where the killing had apparently taken place. The two of us came to the conclusion that the deer in some type of injured state, had somehow staggered out onto the lake's frozen surface and then dropped, being either crippled or dying. The Bigfoot, having come upon the buck struggling, made its way onto the lake to subdue it. Nothing else would have made sense. Certainly a creature having killed its prey in the forest would not carry it out into the middle of the ice to be seen eating it out on the open or in the open by anyone or anything, a fact which I am sure that you would agree with. I give my wife a lot of credit for having the guts to walk with me to the other side in order to investigate where the blood trail and tracks would lead us. This end of the lake was not at all that wide, and having reached the other side, we stepped into the woods. Within about 40 feet from the ice's edge, we found a spot where something had definitely sat down and had its fill of the deer. There was a wide and deeply compressed patch in the snow where something very large and heavy had evidently sat down for some time. There was also ample blood on the snow as well as several bones which had been stripped of their flesh lying about in different places. This whole scene looked so fresh that for all we knew this creature could have moved out of there upon seeing us coming and so we decided to leave. I know full well what it is to be skeptical of such things in every sense of the word. I, in fact make use of skepticism on a daily basis in my curriculum, teaching my students to pursue every angle with diligence and not to jump to any conclusions. But as I stood there that day, Sherlock Holmes came to mind, having said something along the lines of the following, that after you have alleviated all that is not true, whatever is left must therefore be the truth no matter how odd it may seem. The footprints on the lake were true. The dead animal 
being dismembered was true. The two lines of tracks coming out onto and leading away from the scene were also true. The impressions and apparent eating site were true, and the size and dimensions of the footprints were true. Therefore, what had been here was in fact a Bigfoot, no matter how strange or implausible it may seem to you or me. By the way, the size of these tracks was enormous, being somewhere along the lines of 20 or more inches long and half as much wide. They were inclusive of large and wide fat toes, which were five in number just like our own, and whatever had laid them down was of great bulk, in that the crunchy layer of snow on the lake was completely compressed down to the frozen surface. Whereas, where my wife and I had tread, there was no such compression evident. Our bodies had merely broken through the most superficial aspects of the frozen snow as we walked. What do you think of that? That's wild, Bill. I agree with him. His wife is pretty brave. Yeah, well, you know, she wanted to see it. I think sometimes that's what gets people in trouble, right? <laughs> Want to get a little closer yeah. to that, huh? And then, I mean, it's amazing, like, a little deer rump roast is missing, right? Like, the thing's torn apart and the rump of it with the rear yeah, legs just, is missing. Uh, you know, you want when you want when you want it. Want a little curbside <laughs> takeout. And you know what? Who knows? That thing may come back for the rest later. You don't know. Probably. We're not there Probably. to uh, witness what goes. Because you can't be more visible, right, than out on the middle of a snow-covered frozen lake, right? You, you could see a creature like that would want to get away, get off to the side. Yeah, but also overcome by the fact of an easy meal, right? Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, take... Take a good chunk of it with you. Don't hang out yeah, there no, and get, have dinner. Get out of the get out of Dodge. Yeah. Of course, we're yeah. also assuming they care about what we think, right? You know, we're thinking. True. You know, oh, you don't want to be seen. Maybe this thing's like, hey, you know. Yeah, I mean, I generally think of them as being so right. stealthy, right? So, you know, you're not stealthy That's right. by accident. You know, you, it's, it's like in you. Uh, I always say, you know, when people see them, it's really accidental. Or perhaps they want to be seen, and it's in an effort to get you to leave. Yeah, they, they, you you know, you get them upset enough where they have to try and scare you, or they're curious enough as to whatever you're doing, they'll take an unnecessary risk. I've been saying since I got involved in this that I believe there's different personality traits to these creatures, you know. They're like human beings, right? Some are really nasty and some are nice, you know, or or nicer. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Not nice like Mr. Rogers. Yeah, no, not like Mr. Rogers. Oh, please, did you have to mention that guy? You don't think they're like putting on a little cardigan it's a sweater? Day in the neighborhood. <laughs> no, I don't think so. With the with the little king in the train so or the castle, whatever that thing was. King, king Friday. Friday. <laughs> <laughs> 
and Daniel the not so vicious <laughs> tiger. <laughs> yeah, he was definitely not vicious. Not 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 bigfoot material. Oh my goodness. How about the details of this professor? You know, That's he's fantastic. just like digging yeah. in the little dribs and drabs of his thought about what he was seeing and what may have happened and what had to have happened based on the evidence that was in front of him, you know? Yeah, I like the Sherlock Holmes uh, deductive reasoning, too. That's well, you know, cool. that's had, a, had an effect on a lot of people. I mean, this, Sir Arthur sure. Conan Doyle nailed it with that character. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, when you talk about Holmes, the power of deduction, I mean, even Scotland Yard started fingerprinting after Conan Doyle pe- included it with his character. I mean, that's kind of yeah. weird how, no, like, no doubt. fiction became fact. You know, uh, yep. very uh, strange. But I love this account, you know. And and what a, what a setting, though, right? Like, you're sitting there, and you're looking out, and you see this head of a buck, deer, like, it looks like it's trapped in the ice, you know. And then they use their deductive reasoning, saying, how could it be trapped in the ice? The ice is, like, two feet thick. Couldn't right. fall through. The only other right? thing that would have... And then they go out there... And you're not so happy with the explanation. Yeah, well, the like, only whoa. other thing that would have been possible is if it fell through and got frozen in around the neck. But what are the exactly. odds of that happening? What are the odds of that? I think you that? just die right. and sink, right? Yeah, oh, I would think goodness. so. Well, there you have it, folks. I mean, an incredible, incredible yeah. account. And uh, that following those two skunk ape videos, which we're asking you to tune in on at our... Uh, our website, uh, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com. Incredible. No tip. doubt. So what do we got? Cool. We got some great listener mail this week. And, you know, every week, folks, we ask you, like I think I asked, and if I didn't, I'll ask again, you know, if you got any experience with these uh, skunk apes or know anything else about them that I didn't cover, send in a note and tell us about it, and we'll uh, we'll discuss it on air. So, this gentleman, James, James doesn't say where he's from, um, but uh, he says, I work a lot of hours driving. I have no life besides listening to podcasts as I drive. Yours is one of my favorites. Well, first off, James, we're happy that our podcast is one of your favorites, but we're not happy that you have no <laughs> life. So, you know, I understand you're trying to make a living in that, but you know, got to try to get a little bit of balance in there somehow to get a little get to to feel like you do have a life of some sort. Uh, but we appreciate you listening. James goes on and says, on one of the podcasts I listened to recently, you brought up the phenomena of the Bigfoots with glowing eyes. I may have a solution for that mystery. <laughs> I am sure you will find this amusing, (laughs) excuse me, but it is really something to ponder, in my opinion. I already believe that Bigfoots have infrared vision. So why would they not also have bioluminescent eyes as well? Maybe it aids them in certain types of vision at night, as they are probably some type of ancient species that is millions of years older than us humans are, then perhaps these specific vision abilities have adapted to them over the eons. 
And he says, if insects such as lightning bugs can be bioluminescent, as well as other species, then why couldn't the Bigfoot have some biological qualities as well if it suited their primal needs? Maybe it helps them see at night. Very yeah, Pretty cool, yeah. Huh? I mean, it, it's it's all grist for the mill, right? We're just throwing uh, opinions out there, and uh, yeah, this is what James thinks. Uh, you know, I'm not going to argue with it. I have no uh, way to debate it one way or the other. You know, uh, it's just an yeah. odd thing, right? Everybody's out there wondering what's with the glowing eyes. You know, and nobody really has right. a solid answer because you can't really launch a proper uh, scientific. No, and and maybe there's multiple reasons too, Bill. Like I know you have the demonic other entity theory, which is, you know, like you could have that existing and you could also have, you know, some Bigfoot that have uh, some type of bioluminescent, you know, the physical Bigfoot and the uh, evil uh, demon Yeah, and then there's no getting away from this. (laughs) The, the the Bigfoot, either in and of itself or in conjunction with something else, seems to have the ability at times, some of them, to almost like cloak, to walk behind the veil and vanish, to appear, to disappear. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is a weird thing in and of itself. Everybody can't be being jerked around uh, when they're seeing that stuff happening because that's a real weird thing. That's like a just a, a ghost yeah. uh, becoming visible and then psh, gone. You know, I, though, I've said it since the beginning of our recordings of the podcast. I, I'm one of the believers that just says, like, this is camouflage at work. You know, this is like the the snipers in the ghillie suit, you know, like they're there and then they're on. And, you know, we've talked about it a bunch where, you know, you have these accounts where the Bigfoot is down on the ground. You know, like laying down on the ground, and you know we we wouldn't be looking for them down on the yeah, ground. But- you know, we're looking for the classic kind of uh, Patterson Gimlin, you know, pose, yep, yep. right? But that doesn't that doesn't provide so, an answer for those that are seen with a heat signature, and the heat signature oh, yeah. vanishes. Yeah, I mean, unless they duck yeah, in somewhere, right? Which some of the some of the more recent footage suggests that, right? They go into a cave. Drop or drop like into that. a foxhole. <laughs> yeah. It's I just mean, weird, know. you know? It's a, that's what's stimulating yeah, about I'm it. It's so you. freaking weird. It's wow. definitely weird. No doubt about so it. So what else we got? But James, thank you for the letter. And it's a great idea. It's a great theory. Like we love that. That's what makes this show so great. It's like People coming yep. in with these ideas. So uh, the next one, we go out to California from Courtney. And she says, love your show. She says, hi, guys. I live in California, but was born and raised in Oregon. And I've always been fascinated by Bigfoot stories. I've always been the only person in my family who believes in these critters. And the rest of my family teases me about it. I'm just hoping we can get some kind of scientific confirmation of these things one day so I can finally be proven right. 
I don't live in Oregon anymore, but I understand a new Bigfoot museum just opened there, and I can't wait to visit. I love your show. So funny and yet so scary. You guys keep me company when I'm walking the dogs. Thank you for the entertainment. Stay healthy, Courtney. Well, Courtney, I don't know where you're walking the dogs, but I hope you're carrying a sidearm. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. And I, I can understand, Courtney, growing up in Oregon and sounds like you probably live in Northern California. You know, it's a hotbed. Yeah. And there, by the way, you know? Steve, the fellow I was talking about before I was on the phone with, he had his encounter in the Clackamas area in Oregon. I mean, that place uh, is just rife with activity. Unbelievable. Right. Wow. And, and yep. like... Yeah, and this way. No, I was just going to say, Kevin, like you were commenting, you can't imagine the enormity of those couple of states over there. Oh, no, I I can imagine because I live there. They're gigantic. Huge, huge tract of land. And completely rural. You know, most of the states are completely rural. And I didn't ask you, Bill, but the letter I picked to read next is from Steve in Oregon. Yeah, so this is the same Steve you talked to. Go ahead. Cool, cool. So he wrote, Bill, so he didn't even (laughs) talk to me. Come on, Steve. (laughs) Steve, come on. Give me some love here. (laughs) He says, I heard you on another podcast a while back, and I had to buy one of your books. After that, I bought the remaining six volumes. I had an encounter on October 10th, 2015. I've hunted here in Oregon for over 40 years for big game and predators, and I've studied, heard, and used calling techniques to aid in my success. This one morning, I pulled into a blocked-off logging road with the intent of hiking a mile or so to where it had been logged a few years earlier, and glass for a blacktail buck. I arrived an hour or so before light, And after sitting for 15 minutes or so, I decided to get out and get a few things in my pack organized. As I stepped out of my truck, a yell or roar came blowing towards me. It shook my soul. I couldn't comprehend what this was. I stood there for 15 seconds, just stunned. I then decided I was going to grab my rifle and chamber around. As I reached for the back door, it Mm. did it again. I opened the door, pulled my rifle out, chambered around, jumped into the front seat, and cracked the window about an inch to listen. I waited there for about 45 minutes until it started to get light. I decided to face my fear and walk that logging road, scared. Well, let's just say scared. (laughs) (laughs) It's a family show. I was not hunting at all. The whole time, my heart was racing, and I just wanted to get out of there. It is crazy to think that a sound can consume your life. I was changed at that moment. I think about it almost daily, and I constantly am thinking of this when I'm in the woods alone. I've been confronted by a mountain lion once, and last year, archer elk hunting, I was surrounded and cut off from a bull elk. I was after a pack of wolves, which was scary. But this sound changed my life. And he says, P.S., when are volumes 8, 9, and 10 coming out, Bill? 
Wow, that's fantastic. Really, and Kev, to talk to him. Uh, we I don't keep huh. track of the time when I'm talking with people. We're probably on the phone for an hour and a half. No, but talking about the fact, like, I, get, I love the way you said that. What did you say? This, the sound, like, you know, penetrated his soul or whatever. And that's, we we hear about that more and more. Like last week, I think we were talking about where it's the person in Yosemite said it sounded like a diesel yeah. locomotive, oh, the roar. God. And ki- yeah, and this is a guy. I mean, I, I have never heard anyone talk about being surrounded by a pack of wolves and living to t- talk about it. Like, oh my yeah, well, god! Well, obviously those wolves didn't want him that day, or they probably would have had him. Oh, uh, they would have had him. Yeah, uh, Kev, this guy Yikes. is a stand-up individual. Talking to him, no axe to grind. Basically, just telling his story. Uh, and you recall in the one bone pile account, uh, like he said, it changed his life. Well, you remember the orthopedic surgeon who, after coming across the bone pile and experiencing what he did in the woods, he sold his entire gun collection and never went hunting again. Mm. So, you know, these things can have a traumatic effect, you know, oh, on bet. an individual, you know. Uh, But uh, Steve, incredible guy. It was good talking to you, Steve. And I'm glad my brother uh, picked up your mail to uh, read uh, so that everybody else can share in. uh, Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic, man. Fantastic. Great. Well, that's the last letter this week, Bill. I want to uh, thank everybody for writing in. Thank everybody for listening. It's great how many listeners we have, and it grows every week. And I just want to ask everyone, please, right now while you're listening, get out you know, your favorite podcast player, whatever you're listening on, and give us five stars. It's really important that you give us five stars because it attracts more viewers to the program, and that allows us to produce a better quality program every week. So please, five stars today. Thank you so much, and thanks for listening, and be safe. Yeah, very good, very good. Excellent, excellent, excellent show. And people, remember, if you find yourself walking around in the woods, disobeying the order to stay home, always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.